Uh, before I preach my message this morning, I got this cute little poem I got in the, uh, via email I wanted to share with you. Uh, the poem goes like this. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door. Not by the beauty of it all, nor by the lights or its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. There was Herb, who I always thought was rotting away in hell. He's sitting there pretty on cloud nine looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, he said. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd be seeing you. This morning, my message is entitled, Christianity's Lost Message. Now, this is a continuation from last Sunday's message, where I preached a message entitled, The Law of Reciprocity, or How to Love a Big Fat Stinking Jerk. And we talked about how to take control of your relationships by being the first to give. Because Jesus says, if you give, it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We share the scripture that says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Why would he have to write that? Because we get weary in doing good. At times it becomes very wearisome. You try to be nice and people just be mean right back. And you try to be nice and they try to be mean right back. And uh, we talked about this whole idea of walking in faith and doing the right things. And of course we talked about how people are different areas in their Christian growth and you know, some people, they're just getting out of kindergarten, kindness kindergarten, and they're up against people with PhDs and mean rascal, and, uh, and it's hard, but that if we'll continue to do the right thing, uh, we will succeed. And now we talk about the struggle between this good and the bad, the good and the bad. What's going to win out ultimately in your relationships? The evil they're spitting out or the good that you are trying to send towards them? So as you can see, we're involved in a struggle, a conflict, a war between good and evil, kindness and meanness. And then this is where the believer's secret weapon comes into play. And I left you hanging last week. But uh, I told you, if you come back, I'll tell you what that secret weapon is. And the secret weapon is this. Get dead. Now in Galatians, we read this. Paul writes, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Wow. Wow. Here's the mentality that they had in early Christianity. I am crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. But Christ lives in me. But how do you get there? By watching what he continues to say. He says, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You don't see Paul say this very often. In fact, I'm in the first service. I'm not really sure that it says it anywhere else uh, where he's writing. Usually it's God loved the world and God cared for us and there's always a group thing. But boy, when it came to this, he made it personal. This wonderful thing that Jesus Christ did, dying on the cross for me, the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. When you really understand that, when you really grasp the enormity 
of that, that he so loved you personally, then you can trust him and yield to him. Because it's a difficult thing to have an attitude in your heart where you just die to yourself and let Christ have his way in you. You see, before you engage in the battle of kindness versus meanness, you have to make sure that you've died to selfishness. You see, if you have died, you won't care about the responses that come back at you. The part of you that worries about being taken to the cleaners will be dead. And dead people don't mind being taken to the cleaners. Dead people can handle anything. They're extremely patient. You can make fun of them. You can poke them with sticks. You can insult them all day long. They never retaliate. They just lie there very peacefully. Why? Because they're dead. Now God promises to bless those who will walk life this way. Not easy to do. But it is the key. It is really the ultimate key to succeeding in Christianity at every level. Living a crucified life. You see, when Jesus refused to assert his rights and chose instead to die on the cross, it looked like he was being the loser. You see, you feel like you're, you're losing in the deal when you do this. I mean, how painful is this? And then the Bible says, you know, he could have at any second called 10,000 angels and they'd have showed up kicking butt and taking names. But he didn't call for anything. Silently he suffered for you and for me. But it looked like he was the loser. Man, all of hell was rejoicing. We got him. Ha <laughs> ha, we got him. We're killing him. Come down to be the Messiah. We'll take care of that. And the people at the foot of the cross mocking him and making fun of him and laughing at him. Now, I don't know what kind of a mean, rotten scoundrel you have to be. But man, you've got to be rotten to be making fun of a guy on the cross. I mean, it's one thing if you wanted him dead and out of the way and he's hanging up there. And it's one thing, you know, you wish somebody be... But boy, it's another thing. When you are standing there laughing at a man who's been so severely beaten, you could barely recognize him. Nails in his hands and his feet, gasping for air, and they are mocking him laughing at him ridiculing him it looked like he was the biggest loser of all time he was dying but he knew he wasn't being the loser this was the beginning to becoming the ultimate champion therefore God highly exalted him the Bible says because of what Jesus did The feeling that you are being exploited or taken advantage of when you are dying to selfishness is not uncommon. Everybody feels like that way. But just the opposite will occur. The Bible says God will exalt you if you will humble yourself. When you feel like you are being put down and being squished and life is coming out of you, he will lift you up if you will willfully surrender yourself to him. If you want God to get involved in your struggle with the mean jerks of this world, there has to be a dying to self. This is one of the most powerful things you can do to move any relationship towards success by being willing to die to what you want. Jesus said this, he says in the Gospels, he says, I tell you the truth. Why would he have to say that? Because he knew nobody would believe him. 
He knew he was about to say something. Everybody goes, come on. Can't be that way. He says, I'm telling you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. People sometimes say to me, Pastor, I'm so lonely. I'm so miserable. What's wrong? You haven't died. If everything in your life is dark and you see no hope and you're having a hard time breathing and it's cold and damp, chances are you're a seed stuck in the ground that hasn't died yet. Die already. Surrender to him so that life can burst forth out of you. He goes on to say, he says, the man who loves his life. I want what I want, when I want it. I need what I need, when I need it. The man who loves his life will lose it. You think that trying to hang on to stuff is your safest bet. It is not. You won't ultimately get what you want. If you're like this, trying to grasp at what you want. It's the man who hates his life in this world who will keep it for eternal life. So don't miss this. Don't ask God to change people so that they will treat you better. Ask God to help you accept your death and then you won't care how anybody treats you. That is the key. We all struggle with this. I struggle with this. I am preaching to me this morning. Several weeks ago, I was sharing with you at a time I was struggling and having a hard time and people weren't treating me the way I want to be treated. And, you know, and I literally had gotten to the point where I, I got up Sunday morning I just felt depressed. Everything in me didn't want to preach at all. just wanted to call atheists and man, dude, you take it because I, I, I got nothing. But didn't listen to that. Did the right thing. Got up. But I shared with you because I share everything because I'm an open book and I got a big mouth. And I share with you, man, I'd, and so many people encourage me and positive emails and stuff. You know, but I, I got to tell you, my solution there is not in how people treat me. And boy, the Lord had to take me and smack me up good. What are you doing getting upset about what people are saying to you? What's the matter with you? You need to be dead already. And I went, oh, you're right. You're right, it's not about... And I'll tell you, there's such freedom that comes from this. When you can really get to the point where you've totally surrendered to him and you don't care what anybody says, it feels fabulous! Because I'm dead! Honestly, and, 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 and you got to keep saying this to yourself. You know, when you're feeling really ticked off and you're really irritated and you really feel like you've been robbed, just think, how would I feel if they would have had my funeral yesterday? Honestly, if we would have had your funeral yesterday, we would have had a great funeral. We all would have cried and had pictures and everything and everybody hugged and everything. How would you feel the next day when people are doing stuff you don't like? You wouldn't care. Why? Because you're dead. Dead people don't get irritated. Dead people don't care what people say. Oh, man. You say, man, Pastor, that's that's hard. Yeah, tell me about it. Say, I can't do that. You're right. But God never intended you to do this in your own human power. You see, Christianity is really not so much our responsibility as it is our response to his ability. There's this great scripture uh, in the Amplified Version in Philippians. 
he writes this. He says, not in your own strength. Not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectively at work in you. Energizing and creating in you the power and desire. He helps you to be able to do the will of God. What he commands, he empowers. Wow. Now, I want to read to you from Romans, the sixth chapter. Paul is writing to the Romans, and and it's a fascinating little segment in the Bible here that was really common knowledge in the first century church. It's more of a mystery today because people just don't get this. Sadly, it's something we don't talk about very often. But he writes that he's, he's been writing in this epistle to the Romans talking about God's great grace. And when there's lots of sin, God just has bigger grace. And that's why in the end, righteousness will win out. But then he goes on, he says, well, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that we can have more grace? So that grace may increase? He says, by no means. The King James Bible says, God forbid. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer, he says. He says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? I'll answer that, Paul. No, we don't know. We don't know. They knew he's writing almost sarcastically. Because in the early church, in early Christianity, everybody got this. When you identify with Jesus Christ, you are crucified with Christ. You die. And now the love of Christ, the life of Christ bursts out of you. They understood that. You know, you read about the first century Christians. How do they do what they did? Because they got this. They were dead. You read about how they would give up everything. They'd sell everything. They'd donate every dime that they had. Wow, how do you do that? They were dead. It didn't matter to them. These are people who suffered the loss of great things in their lives. Many of them were ridiculed, humiliated, lost their jobs, positions. Some were thrown into prison. Others were thrown to the lions and tortured. And How do you get there? Because they lived this. This was something that was constantly implanted into their minds. We are crucified with Christ. We are identified with the death of Christ. And I am joined in that. That's what communion is. Every time we take communion, it should be a time when you stop and reflect and ask yourself, am I dead? Am I crucified with Christ? Because that is the identification. The reason they could freely live down their life, someone comes and say, I'll kill you for this. They look at him and say, dude, I'm already dead. What can you do to me? I'm already dead. I'll take all your stuff. Doesn't matter. I'm already dead. We'll embarrass you and humiliate you publicly. Doesn't matter, dude. I'm already dead. Man, where is that message today? Because what we hear preached so often is just, it's all about you. God wants to bless you. Just spread, send money right now. God bless you. Make you. It's all about you. God wants to make you happy because God just loves you and God's out there. God just good. You know, He's just there to serve you. This is the message of Christianity today. And we wonder why everybody's so messed up. This is not the true message of Christianity. Goodness gracious. (laughs) 
honestly, stop and think about it. If you are sitting there as a spectator in, in, in the Colosseum and you're seeing Christians being horribly abused all around you because everybody hates them and they're throwing them to the lions and stuff like that. And then someone shares with you about how you can have a personal relationship with Christ, how you can know God and experience forgiveness in your life. Do you think these people thought, oh great, now everything will be easy in my life. No, they knew. Dude, you identify with this? There's a lot of suffering associated with it. And they came by the tens of thousands and surrendered their lives to Christ. And they brought down the Roman Empire. It's a historical fact. Christians changed the history of the world. The very organization, the very culture that was out to kill and destroy them, they brought it to their knees without firing one shot, without one weapon, with no one retaliating in, 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 in violence. They brought the entire thing to its knees through the love of God. But these were people who got it as they were running through the catacombs and stuff. They weren't thinking, gee, it's all about me. God wants me to be happy. God wants me. I don't know what God's thinking. It's all about me. People today, this is their whole point of reference in life is whether or not they're happy. I met a guy in California a few months ago. He just left his family. Abandoned his wife and his children. And he's in a church listening to me speak. He talks to me afterwards and he's just talking with me like... like Everything he did was absolutely reasonable. You know, they don't, they don't appreciate me. They don't treat me with respect. I left, I left my family because they, they don't appreciate me, the man of God that I am. I, 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 just, I, I wouldn't mean treated with respect. He said, what do you think about that, Pastor? He said, I think you're an idiot and you ought to go back to your family. And he looked at me like someone just dropped in from Mars. And he went, what? But doesn't God want me to be happy? I think, who told you that? I want to find out who's been telling people this because I want to beat them up. And then I'll have to repent. <laughs> who told you God wants you to be happy? God wants to bless you, wants to fill your life with joy, but there's oftentimes he requires things of us that don't make you happy at all. And I promise you, when you are dying to your selfishness, what you really want in life, it hurts like crazy. And it doesn't make you happy. When Peter was being crucified upside down, that was a bad day for him. <laughs> when I was like, oh God wants me to be happy. People all the time, doesn't matter what the Bible says, they stop it at the door, but I want to be happy. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, yeah, I know, but God wants me to be happy, and that kind of makes me happy. You should honor your commitments. You shouldn't divorce your wife and walk away from your children. Yeah, but God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? Ugh! Where is this message today? Don't you know that when you were baptized, you were baptized into Jesus' death? No, we don't know that today. These scriptures I'm reading this morning, you don't hear very often. This is almost obscure Christianity today. And I promise you, in the first century church, they lived by this. It's what set them free. Going on, he says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified. No, you knew. This is America. We don't know this anymore. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Really? Ralph, I thought this was just about me. Oh, Jesus, I'd say this prayer and then God just give me everything I want. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Why? Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. No kidding. When you're dead, you don't have a lot of lust problems. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. See, that's the trade-off. If you get this, that's where life comes from. That's where the life comes from. I said, well, I don't, I'm not experiencing much power in my life and, and not experiencing much of the power of God in my life. Why? Because you're still alive. For we know that since, well, he knew. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And he wrapped it up with this. In this same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. The King James says, reckon, reckon yourself dead, reckon, I I reckon I'm dead. And the times I let things bug me and I get bummed out and depressed or frustrated and anger, there's only one problem there. It's not how the world is treating me. It's not how my closest people are treating me. It's not how my wife's treating me. It's that I am staying selfish. And I have to remind myself, reckon yourself dead. Man, I'm dead. I'm dead. Stop it, you're dead. If I died yesterday, would I care today? I wouldn't care. And I've got to constantly remind myself. And I, man, I would love to tell you this is a one-time deal. I wish I could tell you, just come down here. We'll pray with you. We'll sprinkle some holy dust on you or something. And it's a one-time deal. But it is not. It keeps coming back. It's like these horror flicks, you know, where the bad guy dies. And you finally think, thank God he's dead. And then he comes back again. It's like, what is that? So I was watching Bruce Willis movie the other day, you know, uh, on a rerun on TV or something, uh, Die Hard, you know. And this one blonde evil guy, you know, he's fighting and he finally wraps a chain around his neck. And I don't know if you remember the scene, the guy's dangling. You know, pretty much you're dead when that happens, right? And people would run by and everybody keeps seeing him hanging there. He's been hanging there for like half the movie. But somehow, apparently he wakes up and goes... Where am I? <laughs> I don't know how he does. Eventually he comes to and manages to take the chain off of his neck and come down and have enough sense about him that he could go get a gun and go chasing Bruce Willis at the end of the movie. He timed it out perfectly. <laughs> and all of a sudden the bad guy, this guy was dead and he comes back. And you know, boom, somebody's got to shoot him. Those always freak me out, by the way. I watch these movies, I actually believe them. He's dead. And then he jumps up and I go, ah! I do. If you're ever in a movie and you hear a grown man screaming like a little girl, it, it, it's your pastor. Just, just, just say, just say, oh, dear Lord, honey, don't look around. I know it's him. I know it's him. He's screaming again. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. Yeah, that's what I am. Yep. I don't know. This is guy. You know, you know. 
But this stuff never stops. You got to constantly, when it comes back out of the grave, you got to look at yourself and say, no, die. Reckon yourself dead. Get it through your head, he said. Count yourselves dead. The beauty of this amount, I'm telling you, it's free. If you died right now, there's such freedom in that. Now, we're not talking physically dying, but I'm serious. The same freedom comes. If you really get to the point where you just let it go, the joy that comes. But we have people today that's all about them and it's all about feelings. And we live in a culture all about feelings, 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 feelings. <sighs> all right, I'm about to go where any intelligent man would never go. Why are you clapping? <laughs> all right, he make a fool of himself. <laughs> Somebody get some popcorn. This is where it gets good here. <laughs> Oh, it's dumber in a brick. All right. I love this city. I love our football team. <laughs> I love Brett Favre. All right. And he has been the epitome of what I would describe as a manly man. A man who's a leader. A man who in the midst of the most horrible circumstances of his life would press through and do what it takes to win. Fabulous. Wonderful. And I promise you, this is no slam on him, what he has done over the last 16 years will forever be the shining light over this little goofy thing that's going on right now. But please say it ain't so. You're saying, I'm changing my mind because now I feel differently? What is this, an Oprah episode? (laughs) I feel differently? I, I tell you, whoever is advising him, family or friends, is not serving him well. We don't just all of a sudden change. Man, we need to be men. It's part of this Manly Man Conference. We need to be men. Men men who say what they're going to do and do what they say. Now, if you make a commitment based on deception, then, yeah, you don't have to do that. If you make a commitment based on lies and misinformation fed to you, that's happened to me. I've been fed all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I agree to that and then find out it's all lies and then I don't follow through. Well, I'd give myself grace on that because it was all based on lies. But short of that, if you do something, man, do what you say you're going to do. And don't change because of feelings. Honestly, we have a whole culture. I'll leave him alone now. But we live on a whole culture today. It's not really his fault. Our whole country is like this. People committing adultery last night for one other, no other reason than because they feel like it. There's guys right watching me right now on TV. <laughs> you watch me right now on TV. You're still in your pajamas. You don't want to go to church. And the only reason is because you don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. This is where we're at as Americans today. Our feelings have the final say. There's men walking out on their families this morning. Leaving their children abandoned. Without a father. For no other reason than they, well, I, I, I just feel like it. There's guys who will do nothing around the house. And their total justification, as if it was reasonable, is well, I don't want it because I don't feel like it. This is, this is what we boil down to today. This is pathetic. 
And while we cannot control what the pagan culture in which we live does, we need to, as believers, act differently than this. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time and our musicians to come back get ready to serve us communion. So my question to you this morning is, are you dead yet? This is the lost message of Christianity. If people truly considered themselves crucified with Christ, there would be no one complaining about how they were treated, particularly in the church. No one would whine about the way I'm being. I don't know if I appreciate the way I'm being ministered to right now. I'm just not getting fed enough in this church. We're going to talk about that next week. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I appreciate the way we're doing this one little thing of just the right why. This is why there are so many churches in America. 400,000 churches in America. The vast majority of them, 80% plus, have like 100 people or less in them. Why? Because that's about as many people as you can get together that, you know, we can at least all agree. That's it. We're so concerned about what we think. This is what I think. This is what I think. I think we should do this. And I don't think the way you should. And I don't appreciate you saying I like that all the time, Pastor. It's all about me, all about me, all about me, all about me, all me. If we live this, if we would preach this in the church today, this nonsense would stop. We'd have a 0% divorce rate among Christians. Churches would never split up. The whining over piddly nonsense would stop. But the reality is, is we're not crucified with Christ. We've got this broken, twisted gospel, which is no gospel at all. That if you just ask Jesus in your heart, you'll be happier than a drunken monkey. And everything in your life will be just ching, 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 ching. Like the little monkeys that go ching, 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 ching. This is life for me. Ching, 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 ching. Bible says I shouldn't lie. I know that, but I want to be happy. We justify lies, stealing, cheating, adultery, leaving our family. Man, we just... All of it is being erased away today because I have to be happy. No, you need to die. Are you crucified with Christ this morning? And I'll tell you what, when you really do this, when you really let go, it's usually followed with a lot of tears because this hurts like crazy. The greatest victories in my life has always been when I'd get back to this. Whenever I'd mess up, it's because I get away from this. Like a few weeks ago. When I get back to this, there's such joy and freedom that comes, but there's tears that come along with it because it's so hard. Even the reason I'm here talking to you this morning, because I had to get a place in my life where I didn't care if I did this anymore. All my life I wanted to preach and teach and speak to people. I just always want, why? Because I love me. I think I'm fabulous. What's not to love? And I couldn't understand. Why doesn't God open doors for me? How come nobody wants to hear me? I'm 45, 6, 47 years old. Nobody cares. The most they'll tolerate is me playing the piano. 
This was my experience. I wasn't doing this because I didn't want to do it. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted anything from me. God never opened the door for me. And I'll never forget. I was talking to Debbie about this the other... Where are you at? Oh, she's not up here today. I'll never forget about it. We were just talking about this the other day. When we, when we were in California, we were with some pastor's conference and all these pastors I mean, Nobody cared anything about me or who I was. I remember standing by this gate at night all by myself looking to God and said, God, I've always wanted this. I guess... I'll never have it. I'm too old. How do you start having a ministry now at 40-something years of age? These guys who have ministries have spent their whole lives building ministries since the time they were 20 and having churches and pastoring and speaking and people recognizing them and da-da-da-da-da-da. How do you at 47 years of age or whatever it was? I blew it. It's too late for me. And I had to die that day. And I remember standing there crying my little Puerto Rican eyes out. Because it hurts. And I just had to say, you know, Lord, it's okay. It's okay. I don't. I let it go. I let it go. And I just laid it at the foot of the cross. From that day, my life dramatically turned around. All of a sudden, people want to hear me talk. No one's more stunned about this than I am. <laughs> you have to understand. People say, I'm glad you have this call in your life. This isn't a calling for me. This is permission. I finally get to do what I've always wanted to do. And God can trust me with it. No, I, now, because I died to it and I don't care. And I've gone from zero to now traveling all over the world, speaking into people's lives, television, radio, seminars, this wonderful church. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm having more fun than should be legally allowed. People say, do you get a big head? I haven't had a chance. I'm just, I'm still stunned. Anybody comes to hear me talk. (laughs) Just when it was way too late and there was no chance of ever having a national ministry in a span of about five years, God turned that around in my life. Why? Because I finally just let it go. And it hurts. And it's painful when you surrender. When you want people to treat you a certain way and they don't, you want to let it go and say, Lord, I don't care. I'm dead. I am crucified with Christ. Wow. And then the freedom, the joy that comes from that. I'm telling you, this will change your life. If you get this, and we need to talk about this more often. This, this is talked about too, too infrequently in this church and every church in America. This whole thing, that's why we have communion every Sunday. It's to constantly remind ourselves, we ultimately, the bottom line, identify with the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. This is what sets us free. If you're here this morning and you've never experienced this wonderful grace in your life, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you never walked into this glorious death where you identify with him and he forgives you of your sins and gives you new life and empowers you in your life. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. If you'll pray this prayer with us. If you're willing to turn away from the wrong in your life and put your faith in Christ, you can begin your life of faith this morning. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus... I believe you are the son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross. And took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.